Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Now, given the urgent need to address climate change, green jobs have been deemed critical to enable economies to transition towards greater sustainability. So really, it is no surprise that the demand for skills and talent to do sustainability-related work in the corporate sector has grown rapidly in the Asia-Pacific region. According to LinkedIn, APAC has seen 30% growth in hiring for green jobs between 2016 and last year. Yet the region is lagging behind Europe and the US in terms of how quickly employers are adding green jobs to the workforce. To add to that, a World Economic Forum Future of Jobs report has shown that the gap in the skills needed to do green jobs will continue to be high through 2025. That's as in-demand skills across jobs continue to evolve. Let's find out more from Andy Cartland, founder and director of ACA. They are a recruitment company that specializes in this field. And let's find out how they are looking to address the gaps. Hi, Andy. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Now, ACA is one of the first sustainability specialists to be launched in this region. Give us a breakdown of the challenges you are experiencing in this space. So we've been in this space for a very long time now. I established the company all the way back in 2003 before it was really sensible even to have established a sustainability recruitment business. So we've seen lots of changes in what sustainability means in the marketplace over the last 18 years. And it, it does change and it does evolve. Over the past, particularly over the past, let's say, five to 10 years, sustainability has become much more core business for organizations, which means the qualities that companies need in candidates um, evolves as well. So really there's, there's been a big move towards um, core business skills over the last 10 years. Technical skill, technical sustainability knowledge is still very important, but there's a much bigger demand now for people going into the market to really understand the imperatives of business. Mm. Yeah, that's been one change. All right. So let's move away from abstractions and get specific here. Give me an example of that evolution. So what specific skills, what specific quality of candidates are companies looking for? And you can give me a specific example in a particular job role as well. If I give you a big example, an Asian example of where sustainability is core business, Sustainability is often referred to as ESG, so environmental, social and governance. Yeah. And on, as a social example, looking at supply chains for apparel manufacturers coming into Bangladesh, there were huge challenges for many, many decades of very, very low safety standards for factories, which created many tragedies. So factory collapses and factory fires killing many workers who were providing the garments for for us very fortunate people. Um, so about seven years ago, that was very clearly recognised as a not just a, a key risk for, for retailers and apparel manufacturers, but also just from a humanity point of view, a, a huge challenge and, and an issue as well. So 200 retailers came together to form a big global alliance, which ended up employing about 200 people of supply chain experts, health and safety experts, um, stakeholder um, engagement experts, business leaders. So everybody who was required to drive this huge, huge risk and this huge issue out of the apparel supply chain. 
Right, right. And that's a great example, I have to say, because it was heard around the world. And I think people really paid attention because there were so many calamities that were befalling these workers. I mean, collapsing buildings, fires, so on and so forth. Very much a part of any ESG consideration is to fix all of that, right? But here's the thing. I do understand also that while employers in the region want to hire people for green jobs, they're not quite sure about what they're looking for. So often the job descriptions aren't very clear because employers themselves aren't sure. They are aware of the fact, though, that every job has to have an ESG layer. So whether you're in operations or in sales or in marketing or communications or in finance, each individual within the company needs to have this knowledge and expertise, to some extent anyway. That's definitely become much more so the case over the last 10 years or so. So sustainability is creeping into ancillary business functions, as you state there, be that marketing or finance or supply chain. So there's obviously a challenge of how do you embed that discipline Mm. across the business. And it's still the case that most businesses have a central sustainability or ESG team, But more and more so now, that team has to have the ability to drive change to other parts of the business and to have influence at executive level within the organization. So, yeah, a key trend there. I think the sustainability in the region, it has been behind Europe. Mm. Um, Probably if we go back in Singapore five years or so, there would have been very few sustainability hires. But what's happening now is that's kind of catching up at light speed. But that means the demand for talent is obviously outstripping the available talent by definition. Mm. Why were we lagging behind in the first place? Well, I can tell you why Asia is now catching up in a dramatic way. And a lot of that is obviously pinned around globally legally binding agreements like the Paris Agreement, which from a legal perspective is starting to bear its teeth. But we've always worked in this region to an extent because supply chains draw us into this region. And a lot of the environmental impacts from a manufacturing point of view and an agricultural point of view, even for European and US businesses, come out of Asia Pacific. But it seems to have been the European companies in particular who started building sustainability teams earlier on. Mm, So going back to my question of why was Asia lagging behind, it sounds as if we really didn't care until it became necessary for us to care because other countries set the tone. I think as a foreigner, that's probably not for me to to (laughs) comment on. Yeah, I won't put you in a spot. Sure. (laughs) I understand. Higher levels of consumer pressure possibly um, in Europe. Mm. Um, earlier on. Okay, so let's talk about the here and now. Now that we're in this state where we're kind of late to the game and the competition for talent in the arena has grown exponentially, what's next in terms of making sure that companies in this region are well-equipped? Well, they're going to obviously have to hire, but the challenge there is actually developing a candidate pool to hire from. And there's going to be a lag in the candidate pool developing and catching up to the actual demand. And Education, educational providers have a role to play there. I know NUS are providing some courses, but employers are also going to have to be relatively more flexible than they might have to be in Europe for a period of time as well. And they might have to choose between whether they want to hire for sustainability technical experience or for business experience. There will be times where they can find people who can combine those two, but sometimes they might have to hire for business capabilities and maybe buy in technical experience from consultancies. 
And there's many consultancies now moving into Singapore and the region because there is now that demand for them, which can't necessarily be fulfilled from the candidate market. Right. So outsource some of the work. Yeah, that's one way of putting it. Outsource some of the technical requirements. Yeah. Let's talk about those technical capabilities as well as business capabilities in relation to ESG. Because if someone's looking to make a mid-career switch or a young person now looking to develop skills in order to enter the arena, if they needed a clue as to what should I go and learn in order to be able to work in this business, uh, give them an idea of what those specific skills are. One of the challenges when we talk about sustainability is the complexity and breadth of what sustainability actually means. Yeah. I gave you an example earlier about factory safety, you know, how people are looked after in, in factories, but it also means climate change and it also means biodiversity, maintaining biodiversity. It also means socioeconomic disparity and resource overuse. So actually, it's kind of hard to, I think if there are areas that people are specifically interested in, follow your passion in terms of just becoming educated. And there are so many events to attend and there are, you can invest in, in courses. One way that people can take a step into sustainability is to take a, a side step within their existing organisation. So actually ask their employer whether they can become more involved in sustainability. Because as we talked about earlier, sustainability has to involve all functions. So just making it known that you are interested in sustainability and finding out if you can be part of a panel is one way to do it. But really, the big demand now, because sustainability is is core business, is around the business competencies. And it's some of the things I said earlier around being able to influence at executive level. So knowing how to communicate with the chief executive of an organisation around both the commercial imperative, but also how sustainability creates risks and opportunities um, to the business model. So really, I mean, that, and that's the great thing about Singapore. It has an amazing candidate base of business expertise from all of these other functions. So it's definitely transferable. But more than anything, people who want to work in this market need, a, need to be inspired by impact. You know, having a, a sense of purpose in what you're doing, I would say is absolutely essential. Okay, finally, Andy, what is your approach to dealing with a talent shortage in this region? How are you getting your clients the talent that they need, considering the shortage? A few different ways. Firstly, um, by challenging and advising them when they provide the specification. We don't necessarily know until we get underway with a search what's going to be possible. So it's often, you know, after a week of searching, going back and saying, there needs to be more flexibility in these areas or here are some other solutions to try and achieve what you're doing. Also, we provide leadership um, assessment and development as well. So maybe supporting somebody with technical experience once they're in the role to actually develop the other non-technical competencies which they'll need. Right. Thank you very much for that, Andy. Appreciate your time today. Andy Cartland, founder and director of Acre. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.